0: If you will, Matthew chapter six. Our theme this year has been roots, getting back to the basics of our faith. I think one of the great things that was lost through COVID uh, was our reliance on faith. I think there was, you know, the, the term faith over fear, and they made t shirts out of it with a cross, and it became real popular. And the reason it became popular was because so many people became so afraid of a lot of different things and people are still living in fear. Seems like one of the, people go to the grocery store, they'll send their kids to school, but they won't come back to church. They'll watch it online because of whatever. But uh, as I prayed about what we what was going on and what people are going through right now, the Lord just kind of led me to getting back to the basics of our faith. And We've been going through uh, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached uh, in Matthew. Talked about the Beatitudes, talked about a lot of different things. And remember, we're talking about the way our lives interact with God. The way we live our faith. It's not just a Sunday morning. thing. Can't, listen, folks, if Jesus is going to matter to you, if his plan for your life is going to matter, then it's got to be more than Sunday morning. It has to be more than Sunday morning. It cannot simply be something that you do to do your due diligence as a, "Quote unquote Christian, it's got to be, it's got to become your life, and that's what Jesus was telling us in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount wasn't, it, it wasn't a salvation message, right? Dr. Oswaldo, he's he went to seminary. Uh, it's not a salvation message. I mean, you can find Christ, you can find salvation in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is to us, his followers. He was talking to his." not just the 12 apostles, he was talking to his disciples, those who had chosen to follow him. And he says, if you're going to make an impact on this world, like my plan for you is, this is what needs to happen. This is how you need to live. This is what people need to see. Not in a fake way, because I think we could have a great debate over whether faking Christianity is easy or hard. Right? I think we could. I think it's very easy on Sunday mornings, I man. You could fake Christianity on Sunday mornings. But can you really fake being a true follower of Jesus <clears throat> 24/7? And I'm not talking the times where we fall. I'm not talking about the times where we struggle. I'm talking about living Jesus as Elvin was praying this morning. Living Jesus in the good times and in the bad. Living Jesus in when you're happy and when you're sad. Living Jesus when nothing else makes sense the only way to get through your life is to lean on your faith and that's what this sermon on the mount is all about and that's what we're getting to and today we start in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6 and we're getting into one of i think the i think it's one of the most talked about and one of the most embraced as important aspects of our walk with the Lord, but I think also one of the, if not the most misunderstood aspect of our walk with faith and our walk of faith, and it's prayer. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about prayer and not, how many of you have ever been through a Bible study on prayer, gone through a Bible study on prayer, whether it's on your own or it's in a church setting or a a study setting, Um, been through a Bible study on prayer, you've sat through a series on prayer. Let me tell you, I think think sitting down and talking and and, and just talking about the the Lord's Prayer, this is what Jesus prayed for, pray others, pray for this, pray for that, I think that's a real nice outline. But man, we've got to understand what prayer truly is. What we're going to be talking about in this series, now today we're going to be talking about uh, breaking down verses 5 through 8 of uh, what, what prayer should be from you to God. But then we're going to start talking about real life and prayer. I'm talking about prayers out of depression. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have been there? Prayers out of fear. We, we go to God, uh, we want God's blessing, right? We pray, we, we want God's blessing. And we want God to do this, we want God to do that. But do we really go to God and do we really understand what God wants to do with us and for us and where He wants to meet us in prayer, in real life? Prayer has got to be Real. It has got to be real. It's got to be, and I'm not going to get too far into my message in <clears throat> just the beginning. It's got to be real. It's got to be honest. And in order to get to that place of prayer, because some of you, some of you I can see head shaking. It's like, yeah, that's a, hey man, I've been there. I've been there. Listen, I, 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 can't, I, can't, uh, I can't drink a cup of coffee in the morning without praying. You know, I've, I've got to pray first because, well, and now that I'm older, I realize, yeah, I need prayer before that coffee. <laughs> Truly do. If I'm going to face the world as a non-grouchy old man. My sisters and I were out talking with a couple earlier this morning before the service. And I am, my, my sister Susan, who's teaching one of the children's classes right now, will swear to everybody she's the youngest in the family. And she's not. No, it's not. Donna wears proudly the fact that she's the oldest. I'm the youngest. I'll, I'll be like 45 or something like this this summer. This, this winter alright yeah no um, but I know that's a, a mean bus you just threw me under right? Um many of us know what it's like to walk through that difficulty and we've lived to our age knowing that walking through those struggles is not just it's not a walk in the park It's a walk with prayer. And if you don't have a true, honest prayer life to lean on and to rest in, then man, you're gonna struggle. You're gonna struggle. This series that we're gonna be on for a few weeks is called Conversations with God. Because really that's what prayer is. Prayer is a conversation. Matthew chapter 5, 6 verses 5 through 8 is our text, but before we get to that, I want to take a little um, diversion. A poll of about a a thousand Americans asked this question, what would you give up for a month to keep your smartphone for a month? So if you had the choice where you had to give something up or give up your smartphone or your cell phone, I think we're, I think. My, my parents are up at their... Uh, my father's pretty weak today, but my parents have even gone to uh, an iPhone. My dad had one of those old... Remember those flip phones that you got free when you opened your... My dad had one of those forever. And my mom too. And they finally went to the iPhone. So if you don't have a smartphone, you're one of them in the minority. So maybe this wouldn't apply to you. But the question was asked of a thousand Americans... What would you give up in order to keep your iPhone or your smartphone for a month? 72%, the number one thing said, this is kind of a good thing, I guess. 72% said I'd give up alcohol for a month if I could keep myself, my smartphone. 70% said I'd give up, I don't don't really understand this one, but 70% said I'd give up Netflix for a month in order to keep my smartphone. 41% said they'd give up all streaming services in order to keep their cell phone. 64, I think this is a lie right here. I'm calling I'm calling a lie on this one right here. 64% of, 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 the, of the people surveyed said they'd give up coffee for a month. I'm, I'm not buying it, not buying it. And this one, now if you live in East Longmeadow, you know that the stop the warehouse signs are out now. You see those stop the warehouse signs? The old package machinery company on Maple Street is being sold and they're putting in an Amazon, distribution. Okay. And I'm going to say, everybody, stop the warehouse. Stop the warehouse. We don't need Amazon here. And I'm saying, listen, folks, there's a reason why they're putting an Amazon warehouse in East Longmeadow. It's because all of East Longmeadow and Longmeadow and Wilbraham and Hamden order off Amazon. Okay. Right. For, and I think I'm not quite sure about this answer. I think some people might've been coloring and shading the truth a little bit. 57% said they'd give up Amazon permanently and yeah, no uh, I don't think so I don't think you want to go back to the big why 50% and I can believe this one 50% said they'd give up exercise for a month keep their smartphone what for... <laughs> and some people are saying yep that's me already hey gave it up a long time ago this one is kind of concerning 42% they said they'd give up their significant other for a month <laughs> yeah Husbands, I would not recommend a facial expression right now at all. Just kind of sit there. 40% said they'd give up their pets for a month. 35, 39, see I got my, I have my glasses and I should use them. 39% they said they'd give up all vacations forever. I have five kids, I've done that already. <laughs> 44% would rather serve five days of jury duty than be separated from their phone for five days. 47% would rather, stay, would rather stay with their in-laws for a month than be separated from their phone for a month. Now, here's where it gets a little bit, you know, 45% of millennials. Now, millennials are what, 38 and under, right? 37 and under? Forty-five percent would rather lose their car than their phone. Like, give up your car. Yeah, keep your phone. And here's the one. I I don't get this. And I actually I subbed at the high school on Friday. I asked this question. I promise you, I asked this question of teenagers in, in a couple of my classes. I could not believe the response to this one, Melvin. I couldn't believe it. 10% of all millennials that were polled said i would give up a finger to keep my cell phone no kidding i'd give up a finger to keep my cell phone wow that's interesting that's interesting you say well that's real fun and that was a nice little exercise and that's you know interesting what does that matter if you were given the ultimatum of having to give your phone or your social media or vacations or anything else in order to keep prayer, what would your answer be? Yes or no. You see, let's not talk about cell phones anymore. Let's talk about our our prayer life. Let's talk about our conversations with God. Do they matter? They mean, listen, I looked at that list and I'm like, I, I don't really watch a lot of streaming services. And the way I use that, I think you could probably tell. Okay, I think we have them. I know we have some of them, but I don't use them much. I, I don't use, I watch, I really, I watch a lot of ESPN. I watch ESPN, that's it. Other stuff. I don't, have, I don't have a problem going to the store and buying stuff. I, it gets me out of the house. I don't have, a lot of this stuff really wouldn't matter to me. So if you ask me those questions, are like, eh, you know what? Sure, I'll give that up if I can keep my phone. Sure, I'll give up. I'm not giving up a finger. <laughs> Listen, I don't think you, it's like um, um, the Princess Bride. I don't think that question means what you think it means. Right? When it comes to prayer, if you had to give up many things in your life, what would your answer be? You see, that's where we're going with this series. Is, is prayer important to you? Does prayer matter to you? And I think the biggest question is is prayer a priority? for you. Let's take it a step further. If the options, and and some of you, I'm gonna explain this as we go along, and some of you are right here and you're having to make this choice right now. If the options of what you had to give up in order to keep prayer in your life included family, what would your answer be? Oh, that's not a fair question. That's a family's family. Come on. That's not, that that would never be a, a choice. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. Before you say that this is an unfair question, let me read this to you. Jesus said, the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me, not worthy of me. Now, Jesus isn't talking about abandoning your family. He's not talking about getting a divorce. He's not talking about um, leaving your, your children homeless. Jesus is saying this. If you had to choose between being a true follower of me and peace in your home because your spouse doesn't really get your faith the way you do. If you had to choose between letting your, your adult children, your teenage children go because they have chosen a, a way of life that brings nothing but trouble and pain. And rather than sacrificing your walk and keeping the relationship with them, if you had to say, I've got to take my hands off you and let God have you right now so that I can stay, so, so that... My priority has got to be my faith. And I can, I can see, it's, this is the way it's going. I can pray for you. That's great to say, you know, I, one of the worst things that came out of, of COVID is this, uh, this idea that thoughts and prayers aren't enough. We'll get to that here in a little bit. If the choice came down to where you live, if the options were right where you live, your family, your comfort, your convenience? Would the answer be yes or no? I gotta be honest, man, that's a tough question. That's a hard question. It's the kind of question, if we're gonna be honest, that we don't like to be honest about, right? Truly, it's the kind of question that's asked that we don't really wanna be honest about because we don't wanna give up many things in our life. What would your answer be? not a new uh, conundrum for followers of Jesus. The life and walk of faith is difficult and sometimes it's brutal. Sometimes the life that we are called to live is brutal. Sometimes we have to choose between what's better and what's best. My sister Don and I were talking about this in a way yesterday. Some of you, uh, you're yes women, right? You're yes women and you're yes men you are so paranoid and afraid of losing somebody's respect or losing somebody's trust or losing somebody's friendship that you will work yourself into the ground literally rather than say no there's a reason why in psalm 23 jesus says uh, the the psalmist wrote that god leads us beside still waters there's a reason why the bible says in psalm 23 he restores my soul. Why is that? That's just, that's just not a nice thing to put on a, a kitchen um, coaster. There's a reason why God inspired David to write those words. Because there are times where you are in the midst of a flood. And you need to be taken aside to the still waters. There's a time where you are empty of all you have. And you have nothing more to give, and you need to be restored. I was talking to somebody this week, and I've, I've got—I found these at Wal— a pack of six at Walmart. You probably can't see them, but they're superhero socks, right? They're different superheroes. And uh, there's two Captain America, there's two Hulk, and of course, there's two Iron Man. It's not—it's not just superheroes; it's Marvel superheroes. And it's two Iron Man. Now, if you've known me for a length of time, you know that um, I my my I've had a lot of surgeries, a lot of again, a lot of replacement parts, and my motivation has been Iron Man because quite literally my legs are filled with titanium. So I bought these and they're they're kind of a, they, you know I I wear them because it's just it reminds me. And so anyway, that's just me. But can I tell you this, gentlemen? Iron Man is a myth. Superman is just a cartoon character. And ladies, Wonder Woman is just a story. Can't save the world. You can't do everything. You can't be everything for everybody. And sometimes you just need to say no. Why? Because if you continue to try to pour out of an empty cup, and you're going to be having to borrow from something else. And when you get into that idea, and you get in when you buy into that concept of I can take away from this bucket to pour into that, all the while neglecting yourself, you're going to be You're going to be void of everything in your life. Pretty soon, the bill is going to come due. And there's no eat and run, dash and dine, right? There's no dash and dine in the Christian life. You always have to pay the price. Sometimes we have to choose between what's better and what's best. Two good options. Two good options. What's better and what's best? Yesterday, I had a choice to make. Now, I'm not, they don't let me near power tools because, wait, thank you, Jeremy. We would have a lot of insurance claims here at the church if I was allowed to use things that are connected to power. Seriously. And I had the option, I, as the pastor, and let me tell you, I, str- I struggled with this, no doubt. This work day, I'm the, my name's on the sign. I better be here. I had family I had to take care of yesterday. You know, I'll be honest. I'll be, I was kidding about that whole 45 thing. I'll be 60. And I would like to think that in the 55 years that I've walked with Jesus, that I've learned this way of living, that enough sense would have been drilled into my head by my parents and by my siblings and by all those that I've known, that I need to realize that My family, especially as a pastor, my family needs to come before my ministry. So I chose family yesterday. Don't regret it. It looks great. I'm thankful for everybody that showed up. Sometimes, and that wasn't a bad choice. That was the better of the best. Sometimes you have to choose between what's better and what's best. Sometimes, all right, if you take medication for this, you might want to take an extra pill right now. Sometimes we have to accept that we've done all that we can and move on to the next right thing. Sometimes, folks, you have to admit and you have to accept because admitting it isn't, we're never going to admit it, right? We're not going to admit that I've done enough because, oh, that sounds arrogant, right? Sounds like I, I'm, I'm, I'm everything to everybody now you don't have to admit it but folks you do have to accept it if you're going to stay spiritually healthy and physically healthy and those two go hand in hand then you have to accept that sometimes you've done all that you can do and you need to move on to the next right thing And then there's prayer. Prayer is the strength of our armor. Prayer is the power of our lives. Prayer must be your go to. Prayer is the air that we breathe. Prayer is the life source of our walk. Prayer is our connection with eternity's plan. So what exactly is prayer? Listen, let me give you a very simple very simple definition. What exactly is prayer? Prayer is simply a purposeful conversation with God. That's all prayer is. It's a purposeful conversation with God. Max Licato said this, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is the one who hears it and not the one who says it, Our prayers do make a difference. Oswald Chambers said, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. You see, when the world tells us, well, we need more than thoughts and prayers, as a follower of Jesus who knows what the Bible says, who knows what the Bible says about what prayer can do and what I can do through prayer and who I can be in prayer and who I talk to when I'm praying and what He can do through my prayers for their lives, I say, you don't know what you're talking about and I will not get my theology from those who deny your, my God's existence. No, you don't need anything more than my thoughts and prayers. You need my prayers more than you can imagine. And Christian, that goes for you as well. If you think you can solve every problem in life, if you think you can handle life on your own without God, and you don't need prayer, you do not know what you're talking about. You don't understand. And that's why we're talking about prayer. And that's why we're going to get into the things about praying in everyday life. I wanted to jump ahead, but can't yet. A day without prayer is a day without blessing. A life without prayer is a life without power. Edwin Harvey. And this one's mine. There is no backup generator for the power of prayer. Listen, folks. In your walk with the Lord, as a Christian, as a servant of God, as someone who is trying to make a difference in this world, you don't have a backup generator. We're looking at generators. I'm looking to find a generator. I'd love to get a solar generator. Don't know if it'll have enough power if we go out of power for a few days. But we live in New England, and we especially live in East Longmeadow, where Thomas Edison probably designed our grid. Power goes out all the time. And if you just move to East Longmeadow, just wait. Okay, Just wait. On the on the Facebook forum, there's all kinds of questions. Is anybody else are any, is anybody else's lights dim? Uh, we live in East Long Meadow, of course. They'll come back, don't worry. Don't worry. Anybody else's lights flicker? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else's internet terrible? <laughs> That's it. We're in East Long Meadow, of course. Anyway, we can have a backup generator for our house. You can can even buy a new battery for your car if the old one goes out. But man, there is no other resource for the Christian other than prayer. There is no power for the Christian outside of prayer. Prayer is your power. We're going to be talking about prayer for the next several weeks. We're going to attempt to dissect it and draw out the marrow from the bones. Most importantly, we're going to be digging into the words of Jesus to find out what he wants us to know about having a conversation with him. Let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. If you stand with me as we read God's word. Jesus is speaking. He says, whenever we you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room. Old King James says, go into your closet and shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. You may be seated. Once again, these are the words of Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. This is is not the opinion. What I just read to you, this is not the opinion of a pastor. It's not the teaching of a professor. It's not the blog of a wannabe journalist or even the take of your coffee buddies and friends. These are the very words of the creator of the universe. So they need to carry the ultimate weight with us when it comes to understanding prayer. There are some very basic observations I see in this passage that I want to bring out this week before we dig a little bit deeper and hopefully a lot deeper into what true prayer is. I want to share them with you this morning. We'll be spending some time looking at the Lord's Prayer, kind of pulling that apart in a different way. But this morning, it's just some observations about what Jesus is saying to us here in this passage. And the first observation is this. Real prayer is an eternal conversation between you and God. Real uh, real prayer is not like talking with your friends and making plans for a weekend or making plans for a dinner evening or, or making plans to go to the movie or even making plans to celebrate baseball with your kids, right? Real prayer is an eternal conversation with God because what we talk about with god in prayer deals with our lives the lives of others ministry difference making heartbreak heartache sickness anger oh yeah we're going to be talking about prayers of anger anybody bent been there trying to keep my hand down. Yeah. I would never pray to God angry. <laughs> okay. And I'd never eat another double stuff Oreo. Right. When you pray, when we pray, when we go to prayer. We aren't simply entering the presence of our best friend, we're accessing our passage to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation. When you pray, you're talking to the one who wrote this book. When you pray, you're talking to the one who left heaven, became human, as well as God, lived among other humans, Died on the cross, rose again, and now ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. The ultimate, the number one. When you pray, it's an eternal conversation with God. Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16 tell us this For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, because of this, what my I always learned uh, that when when you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. Right. When you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. Why is that word there? Why does this? Why is this statement made? And then the connective. Uh, word comes that connects two different thoughts or a cause and effect is brought in. We don't have a high priest that can't understand us. He's ta- this verse is talking about Jesus. And what Paul is writing here is, listen, Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going to go through. He knows what it's like to be tempted. And I'm not talking about chocolate cake. Okay, I'm talking about the temptations that come into your life that will wreck you. That will wreck your marriage. That will wreck your family. The kind of temptations that come into your life that will ruin your life and any opportunity you have to serve God. Jesus knows. That's what Paul's writing to us about in Hebrews. It's not just, oh, well, well he knows your name. He, you're better than the lilies of the field. Man, he knows where you're living right now. He knows the ugly. He knows the nasty. He knows. He knows what you're enduring. Therefore, because of that, because of who He is, because of who He can be, because of who He wants to be for you, because of all that, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Man. I have a feeling that there are times in my life where I have missed out on God's help. I have feeling. I, I have a feeling there are many times in my life where I've missed out on God's amazing blessings for me. I have a feeling in life. Uh, I have a feeling that there have been times in my life that, if I have, le- if I would have leaned on Him in prayer, I would have gotten through that struggle easier. My attitude would have changed. My arrogance would have faded away, and I would have become a better man had I just gone to him in prayer and allowed him to be honest with me. And let's be honest, folks. I think there's a whole lot of you that can say the same thing about your lives. See, if you're new here at New Life, there's one thing you need to understand about me. The John you see out there is the John you get up here. I'm the same guy out there as I am up here. I think if I'm going to preach authenticity, I need to live authenticity. And I am, I am me. I am me. I own more jerseys than most high school kids. I love jerseys. I love camouflage. That's from the Army. Um, I love tie-dye. Because I was what? What? And I, love, I love funny socks. Funny socks. Thank you, Jeremy. And I'm a child of the 60s. So born in the 60s. That's why I love tie-dye. This isn't a confessional for me. This is a place where I get to, with the permission of the God of the universe, share with you what he's laid on my heart from a very personal perspective. Because I can tell you all day what the Bible says and what it means and that you need to apply it. But if I'm not gonna apply it to my life and show you that it works, I've got no business leading. So that's where I'm coming from. What does this mean for us? What are the implications of the fact that prayer is an eternal conversation with God? Ian e. Bowne said, prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them, outlive a generation, outlive an age, outlive a world. You see, that's the that's the eternal aspect of it, right? What we pray for, what we're praying for now has eternal implications. The lives we pray for right now, the hope we pray for, the peace we pray for, the strength we pray for, the courage we pray for, the depression we pray about, the hurt that we pray about, the anger that we pray about and with and for. All of that has eternal implications. All of that is how we survive this life and not just survive, but as Casting Crown says, we weren't made to thrive, or we weren't made to, to um, we were made to thrive. All right? That's what the point was supposed to be. We were made to thrive. We weren't made just to survive. There are times when survival is all you can do, right? Been there? Where you're like the disciples in the boat with Jesus sleeping in the back and you're hanging onto the sides of the boat so you don't go overboard. And you're looking around, looking for a life jacket, looking for an oar, looking for an orca to swim by, to to jump onto, to take you out of the storm. Looking for something and you're just holding on for dear life and you don't see a way out. Prayer is for those times. Prayers absolutely for those times. Because you have a, like like Daniel said, there is a God in heaven who works miracles. He knows your name. He cares about you. He understands what you're going through. And he wants to help you through it. And he will carry you if need be. A.W. Tozer said to desire revival and at the same time neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk another. Flavel said, The devil is aware that one hour of close fellowship, hearty converse with God in prayer, is able to pull down what he has been, been contriving and building many a year. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You don't do that. He does. How does that happen? You pray. You have an eternal conversation with God. In order for us to truly understand prayer's potential impact on our lives and those around us, we must understand that real prayer is an eternal conversation with God. The second thing I see is this. Real prayer is an honest conversation with God. And he takes it seriously. And I just want on a little diatribe there telling you that I try to be transparent up here and I try to be real in my whole life. I'm, I'm sure nobody here does this, but how many of you were raised in churches where the deacons got up and prayed in, in the King's English? O thou great father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We cometh before you today. Begging of you, pleading with you, O oh, thou most High. And this is how, where I was raised. right? That, and that's that's the language of prayer I learned, right? If I learn if if I'm talking with my friend Melvin here, yo, Melvin, what's up? I hate the Cowboys? Thank you very much. Have a good day, Melvin, do you want a hamburger? It's just it all goes together, right? Just kidding. I had to say something. <sighs> right. Melvin, I've, this man is a real is a real dear friend. He did not text me after the Cowboys beat the Rams. He let, he let me, he let me, you know, he let me live. If I go to Melvin, I talk with Melvin, I text with Melvin, I talk with him on the phone, we have coffee, and I talk with him like he's sitting right next to me. I talk with him like he's a real person. We've just talked about who Jesus is to us. What he wants to do is, why do I have to take on this this form of speech why do I have to take on this this uh this holy attitude do you think I'm going to pray my you think I'm going to pray about my anger or my struggle by saying oh thou great God no man sometimes I don't even it's it's like the emails you send off when you're really angry and you don't even want to address the person so you don't say do you don't start off with greetings you just get right into the body right ever prayed like that? Let's get right to the point, God. Let's get right to the point. Because right now, there's an issue. Real prayer is an honest conversation with God. God has cleared his calendar just to talk to you. That means that he is available at all times just to talk with you. 1 John 5, 14, I've written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before him if we ask anything. Listen to this, man. If we ask anything according to his will, I get a Cadillac. I get a new home. I'm never sick. Because God's all about my health, my wealth, and my prosperity. Well, that's not what the verse says, right? That's not what the verse says. So if that's the teaching you're leaning on, understand that that is not good sound, theologically biblical teaching. Just because you ask it from God doesn't mean he's going to give it to you. All right, no shame in my game. When the, when, when, which one was it, the Powerball? Powerball was a billion dollars? I bought a few. Oh, you're a pastor. Yeah, I also want to be a billionaire. All right? No doubt, man. I'll take the money. You kidding me? I told you my idea. One of these days, if the deacon approves, deacons approve it, I think we're going to do it. Take the offering, right? Take the offering for the week or the month and go down to MGM. Throw it all on black. Just kidding, folks. Just kidding. Scratch ticket Sunday. Bring your scratch tickets in and put them in the offering plate. Let's, no, but sometimes that's, that's what we live our lives like, right? But I, I listen, I've prayed that God would, the, the prayer of Jabez, right? Lord, expand my territory. And we've, we've prayed that, and what, we're, what many of us really mean is, Lord, can I have that raise? Lord, can I put the pool in? Lord, can I put a second story on the house? And we've been taught by many people, and people are still preaching and teaching out there, that that's exactly what God does. You send your seed money to me, we'll pray over it, and God will prosper you. That's not what it says. It's up there. By the way, if you don't know, there's a screen in the back, so when I point like that, I'm looking at the screen in the back. Okay? Okay? It's very confusing, but I'm old and not technologically savvy. So just, you know, cut me some slack. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Listen, my kids can ask me for a lot of things. And I hear them. Doesn't mean mean they're going to get it. Right? Right? Doesn't mean they're going to get it. Maya asked me, Dad, will you teach me how to drive? <laughs> no. No. I don't have a, uh, an instructor's brake in my car. So all I can do is grab onto the dashboard. That's why God invented driving schools. I don't know about you, but I know this is true for me. When I pray, whether it's a happy prayer, whether it's a a prayer of need or doing business with God, or whether I come to God with an absolutely shattered heart, not a broken heart, a completely shattered heart. And I pray, I know he hears me. Now his answer is on, his answer he will answer me. I don't know how He'll answer me. And I maybe you're like me. There are times in life where I don't know how God's going to fix it. But I know He has a plan. And He promises me that if I ask anything, if I need anything, if I go to Him in prayer, He will hear me. He'll hear me. What? Why does that matter? Because I need to be able to have an honest conversation with God. And if I don't think he's going to hear me, then what's the point? Right? If I don't think he's going to hear me, what's the point? What's the point in spending my time praying? I could be actively fixing the problem on my own. And that's where we get into a lot of trouble because you can't fix some of these problems. You need his help. And he wants to help. God can be trusted with your pain. He can be trusted with your anger. He can be trusted with your praise. He can be trusted with your need. He can be trusted with your brokenness. Even all at the same time. You can bring it all to him at the same time. Like your little child who brings their favorite toy to you that they either ran or got run over in the driveway because left it there and you pulled in and ran it over They broke their favorite toy and they bring it to you and say, Daddy, can you fix this? Mommy, can you fix this? He can. He can fix you if you let him, he can fix your marriage. If you let him, he can fix your life. He can fix your brokenness. If you let him, he's the God of all healing. When I had to have joints replaced, I had people that wanted to pray over me for healing. So, and it wasn't the kind of healing where it gets fixed. It was the kind of healing where it's just going to be a miracle. And I believe in that. I believe that if God wants to do that, God can, okay? So don't run me out of town on that. Even had somebody, no lie, I had somebody who wanted to do magic on me in God's name to heal me. Well, used to be 300 pounds. I got healed of that. had my stomach cut out. So, Aaron hates it when I say that, but that's what happened. Lost 81 pounds so far. I feel pretty good. Needed a new knee, needed two new hips, needed to have my foot fused. Had all that done. You know what? I prayed about every one of those issues. God heard me, and he healed me. Maybe not the way we te- we, we think, and maybe, it, maybe it's not the kind that you can have this testimony where you throw the crutches away and walk down and get on your knees at the altar and sling some snot and lift glory to God. And that's wonderful if that happens. But God has blessed us with technology. God has blessed us with medicine. And I believe that God works through his creation to provide healing. I believe that with all my heart. I'm a walking, talking example of God's healing power. God can be trusted with your brokenness. I trusted him with mine. I was out playing basketball with Gabriel and Michael the other day. Hey, they didn't see me. You guys didn't see me. I'm practicing. One of the things Gabriel and Michael have been asking me since I've been going through these surgeries is, Dad, will you be able to run again? Like, well, you didn't know me when I was a kid. I don't know if I could run then, but tell you a secret. I've been practicing. I ran the other day. First time in a long time, years, I ran. I prayed about that. I wanna run with my boys, I wanna run with my kids, I wanna run with my grandkids. The point is this, God, wants you to bring everything to him in an honest conversation of prayer. God wants your honesty and your brokenness. He wants to hear it all because only he can heal it. Psalm 147, verses 17 and 18, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all his act, acts. The Lord is near all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity. Charles Spurgeon Spurgeon said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. And Samuel Chadwick said, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, a prayerless work, and a prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles When we pray. Folks, real prayer is honest prayer. And I would, I don't say this sarcastically. I say this honestly. Do you really think you're hiding your struggles from God? Seriously. Do you really think you're hiding your struggles from God? Do you really think he doesn't, know what's going on. Because if you do, then you're not theologically lined up with what the Bible teaches, that God knows everything. God sees the beginning and the end. He knows what you're going through. He knows your struggle. So when you're going to pray to him about things, pray with honesty. We're going to stop there for this week. We'll finish this next Sunday. Last two are <clears throat> our prayer is a coherent conversation. You know what? Let me just, let me just, uh, we'll just go through these real because I've covered most of this. Prayer is a personal conversation with God, and prayer is a coherent conversation with God. So we finished the message today. We'll start a new one next week, all right? Because we, what I was going to say, we've already talked about. Prayer, prayer, the great privilege of the children of God to pray to talk to have a conversation with the creator of all things what's your prayer life like? going back to what we talked about at the beginning remember that? what would you give up to be able to keep prayer in your life? deep question let's pray Lord thank you so much for your power and your honesty and your love and your mercy. Lord, you never promised an easy road, but you did promise to walk with us on it. So God, I pray that as we all try to kind of digest what we looked at this morning, that we'll lean on you, that we'll truly be honest with you about what prayer is. For us and truly be honest about prayer when we pray. God, for those who are struggling with prayer at all. Show them the show them the power and the meaning and the purpose of it. Father, bless us as we go from this place today. Would you be honored by our lives? Would you be honored by all that we do? Send us forward as worshipers, God, as different maker difference makers. Show us every open door in our lives so that we might. Serve you to our fullest. Your name we pray. Amen.